Good morning. God is good this morning, yeah? Yeah? Uh, okay, all right. I'm just checking to see if we're still awake. I, I always hate starting a sermon when everybody's asleep. It makes, it, it makes the sleeping time later a little bit harder to deal with. So uh, I'm glad you're all awake at least to start. God is good this morning, and uh, he has brought us into this wonderful opportunity uh, to engage his word. You know, I sometimes forget that, yeah? I sometimes forget when I, when I stand up here, I sometimes forget even when I'm sitting down there uh, exactly what this is, right? What this, this space, uh, this time, this opportunity uh, is for us. And, uh, and I want to make sure this morning that we keep our eyes on that. Uh, we're, we're talking a lot about focus this morning, and I want to make sure we keep our eyes on that. And I want to tell you loudly and clearly, and I, I think, you know, I've been here a couple times. If you don't know me, I'll introduce myself in a moment. But I want to I say very loudly and clearly, this morning we are proclaiming that evil has not won and will not win in this world. Now, I, I attend Harrisburg first, so usually when I say that, I get a few other responses. So let's try that again. Evil has not and will not win in this world. Amen? Amen. You know, I think we, very, we, we often passivate or we, we calm this experience. But I want to remind you again that we have come this morning to say that Jesus has been and will be and always has been victorious and will continue to win over evil in this world. Amen. There we are. All right. <laughs> so now that my coaching is over, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for this chance to engage uh, your message, your word, um, your vision. For, Lord, you have made us and created us for a purpose, and we, so we step this morning into that purpose and into that vision and into that hope. And, God, as we do that, I ask that you help us to be uh, reflective. God, for those things uh, which keep us from focusing on you this morning, Lord, we just ask for a, a reprieve, a miracle, a, a, a moment of calm. For those things which this morning are truly of you, Lord, may they just blast in our hearts. May they just uh, light up our hearts and our experience. And those things which we've already gathered from this morning's worship, may we just hold on to them dearly as, tr as, as true prizes, as true gifts of the assurance, the blessed assurance of what you bring. Lord Jesus, may you just work in our hearts. Those things that aren't of you, Lord, we ask that they are quickly forgotten, ignored, diminished. For, Lord, they're not of you, not of your kingdom. And so, Lord, we just come this morning and ask that your kingdom come and your will be done. In this time as in, in this world, both now and forevermore. Amen. So I, uh, I'm, I like to uh, focus on things. I have, a, I have a little thing they call uh, attention deficit disorder. Uh, I think I've shared this with you if you remember in the past, and uh, so one of the things about attention, I, thought I, was, I always thought attention deficit disorder was just those kids that couldn't contain themselves, um, but I found out there's another, another attention deficit disorder, which means if I'm focused on something, uh, I can't get off that one thing. Like, that is the thing which I focus on. So, so like when I start projects at home, I, I can't get my eyes off that project. I'll go to work and I'll be thinking about the things I have to do for that project at home and I'll, and I'll come home and I'm playing with the kids and I'm thinking about what I should be doing out with the project that I'm working on home, you know? And, and, and I, so I have this, this hyper sense of focus. And, uh, and I also like to hike. I like going for, for, for long walks in the woods. And when you go hiking, one of the challenges, uh, particularly for, uh, for distance hikers, is it's about distance, right? So you want to get there. And you want to get there fast, and you want to make sure you get there on time, because if you don't get there on time, then this, 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 and then you won't make the next day, and all these kinds of things. And I used to go for week-long hikes, and when I'd go those week-long hikes, it was all about making the miles. You know, I got to make that next step. I got to make that next 
place. I've got I to gotta reach that next shelter. I've got to get to that water before, it, before I don't have an opportunity to. Uh, I've got to get to that stop. And I'd always push myself very, very hard. And I'd have these great goals, and I'd push myself really hard, and then I would get to that shelter at 1.30 in the afternoon and wonder what happened with the day. And, and I would sit there then for the next six hours with a moment to contemplate. And I would spend the other time reading. I would sit and think. I would journal. I would be reflective. This morning, I want to think about that as a pattern, a pattern of living. Because I think what has happened in my life, and I think what's happened in our lives, in our collective lives, in a world where information is constantly coming at us, and demands are constantly being brought to us. Uh, I have a number of friends who have recently retired, and every one of them said the statement was, Retirement is much busier than it was when you were working. And we have this world, right, where everything is a going. It's all going so fast, and it's all going in such a hurry. Do we, brothers and sisters, have that moment? We push hard to that goal, that next stop, that next place. But do we have the moment to stop and reflect? To be what I like to say, introspective. I venture to say that we are not a very introspective people. We don't do a very good job of listening to ourselves and what we're thinking and what we're doing. We tend to react out of instinct and out of anger or out of frustration or out of happiness and joy or out of emotion that drives us in directions that sometimes can take us into terrible chaotic places. And this morning, I come across this passage in Luke. And as I reflected on this moment, I thought about those journeys I would take, those journeys I would strive and rush and hurry and and push and, and challenge myself, and I would get there and I would reflect on it. And I realized that in my life now, I very rarely reach a goal and then stop to reflect on it. And this morning, what we see is the disciples on a journey, the disciples going along with Jesus. The disciples walking on the way. We also did some other things when I was growing up. I used to um, go caving a lot, and my dad and I, because we were cavers, uh, all the youth leaders liked to take their youth groups caving. So they would, they would grab us and say, hey, can you take our youth groups caving? We'd love to go. And, uh, and one time we took a youth group caving, and the youth leader was all excited. Man, he was amped up. He's one of these kind of, you know, really... Uh, you know, you know those youth guys, right? They're all excited. They're all they're really cool. You know, I, and 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 we were out. To, we went out to this cave, and we got to where the cave was, and we looked up, and the cave is about oh, 30 feet up on the side of a wall, and you had to climb up this little trail to get up there. And this youth leader gets all excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can I can do this. And he gets he gets about up the first the first level, and he starts to slow down. And we said, Hey, are you okay? What's going on? Yeah, I'm I'm okay. I'm all right. And then we go up the next level. Yeah, I, I'm a, maybe uh, I'm getting a little, uh, what's wrong, man? Like, what's your problem? You know, we got youth. I need your help. You got to get, you know, get in this. I'm, I, was, I was 16 at the time. I was a kid. I said, come on, man. Like, I need your help getting these kids across these spaces. And he looks at me and he says, well, I'm kind of afraid of heights. <laughs> Introspection. Wisdom. 
The, journey, the disciples are journeying along with Jesus, and they're, and they're walking along, and they feel like they've got it figured out now. You know, they've got this Jesus thing figured out. They've seen him do some really cool stuff. He fed a bunch of people. Peter did this really cool thing where he said, you are the Christ. The son, you know, the, and Jesus says, on that proclamation, I will build my church. And then Jesus goes up to the mountain, and he has this transfiguration moment. Jesus is stinking glowing. You know, like, this is awesome. They're on this, right? You ever, they're, they're real. You can feel it. They're moving with purpose and direction. And we're going where Jesus is going. Yeah, let's get there. We're going. And, and along the way, they get into this thing that, we often, that often happens with us is we tend to not think about what it is that we're headed towards. We're going. We're ready to get there. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do it. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. Let's go, Jesus. Hey, you know, when we get there, who's going to be better, me or you? I know I'm going to be better when we get there. I'm going to go faster. I'm going to go harder. I'm going to follow Jesus better than you ever followed Jesus. And the disciples get into this conversation while they're on this victory journey, the victory lap before the victory is won. And as they're journeying along the way, they're having this, dis this discussion. And this is prior to the scripture we read this morning in chapter 9, verse uh, 40, 46. But let me read it to you. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Now, I love Jesus because he's, um, he's, uh, he's creative. <laughs> he's creative in his criticism. So, for, uh, for 15 I've been married to my lovely wife, Sarah, back there for 15 years. We, uh, we have three children together. Uh, my name is John. I live here in Union Deposit, not far from here. Uh, I, sir, I, I work as an engineer out of trade, but I was formerly a pastor. Um, and, uh, and, and so along with being like a pastor and an engineer, like that, that, I fit that type. Do you know like the pastor engineer? You guys don't know the pastor engineer type? Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> I, I totally fit that type. I'm, I'm uh, I am, the, I, am, I am that type. And, and so uh, along with that comes a uh, not great sense of um, bodily rhythm. Yeah, that's how you call it. I can't dance. And for 15 years, my lovely wife, my beautiful wife, the one, woman who I really try to impress every day and don't do a great job most days, has been asking me to take dancing lessons. How many of you have taken dancing lessons? Let's be proud, bold. Come on, put them up there. Thank you. She, for 15 years, she's been asking me, and I said, sure, honey, we'll take dance lessons. Let me just buy, you know, Groupon is the best thing to put off gifts. Did you know this? And, and I would buy the Groupon for the dance lessons and say, look, honey, we're going dancing. And she'd say, when are you going to set it up? Oh, I'll get to it. <laughs> I have one Groupon that's five years old. <laughs> and finally, this last year, we went dancing. I finally said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take her dance you're going to take her for dance lessons, and we're signed up for dance lessons, and I'm signed up for like 30-some-odd dance lessons. I know. The pastor engineer is signed up for dance lessons. You're looking at me walking up here and saying, How does it, it, trust me, it's not pretty. But here's the thing. When I started dance lessons, I started doing it, and, and, and you know, I was, really, I was really nervous. I was really scared. I was really afraid. You know, I think like the disciples were here in, in, early on, they, they were really afraid. There was this moment of, like, anxiety. And then Jesus starts glowing, right? And when Jesus starts glowing, when I finally get my wife out there on the dance floor and she smiles at me like she does when I take her dancing, like I was, I was fired up, I was pumped, I was like, yeah, we'll do this dancing thing, this will be no problem at all. 
And then Jesus grabs the little boy and says, hmm. And then I jump on the dance floor. Hmm. And then I have to look down. And the moment I look down, I realize that my feet have to go a certain place. If I just let them do what they want to do, if I just go out of energy and emotion and sure, sure, uh, you know, excitement, we're not going to get anywhere. My wife will not have a good time. Her shins and knees and every other part of her will be bruised to high heaven. And I realized that I had to look down. Jesus brings this little child up and says to them, look, I know you're excited. I know I was freaking glowing back there. You get that? That was cool. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine the energy they must have felt. And Jesus says, I know this is really exciting. I know this is really getting you amped up, but don't forget. And he brings a child before him. Now, you have to understand, in the first century Palestine, uh, children, uh, ch children in the early Jewish world were interesting. In the ancient world, children were often dismissed, largely because they died in such numbers that it, what you, until you lived a certain age, you weren't really a viable human being because the chances of you not living were pretty high. And so in the ancient world, children were kind of seen, not, not some people will say they're dismissed. I don't think they were dismissed. It was just, it was, it was a protection for society, right? And so children didn't really have roles, they didn't really have functions, and you'll hear things, you know, the naming of children would happen later in life and all these kinds of things. And so children really didn't have a spot, didn't have a space in societal realm. And so Jesus brings this, 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 this person who doesn't really have space and gives him space right next to the Messiah. And he says to the disciples, and I, I love this, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. For the one who is least among you, he is also the greatest. The one who welcomes me welcomes my father. Uh, and, the, and the one who um, will be the greatest, the least will be the greatest. And he has this moment when the disciples have to be so self-reflective. And I realize in my life, when I'm, I got, I got anxiety, I got, I, got, I got energy, I got movement, I got, I got I get pumped up about things, I get very excited and focused on things, and I don't move off that focus, and what happens is I lose sight of what's all around me. So this morning, as we focus on Jesus, as we get our eyes on what it means to be a Christian, as we get our minds on what it means to do the right thing, to do the right, to be about the right things, we must be self-reflective. So often we get on our Christian journey, don't we? And we think we got it figured out. And we know exactly what scriptures are most important. And we know exactly what doctrines are most important. And we know exactly what songs are most important. And we know exactly what styles are most important. And we know exactly what colors are most important. And we know exactly what seasons are most important. And then we know exactly what preachers are most important. And we know exactly what ways of singing are most important. And we, we, you see what happens? And pretty soon we start to, to close ourselves off and we get so focused and so excited and so jammed onto what, what we believe God wants us to be. And Jesus just says, look down. And in that moment, when we get focused, when we get amped up, and we think we've got it figured out, we need to look down. So on this journey, they then come to this place called uh, the Samaritan Village. And how many of you know anything about Samaritans? 
Any about Samaritans? Still, Samaritans are still kind of a thing. So Samaritan is actually a different religion than Judaism. Um, it's a little bit different. And so, so what happens is uh, the Samaritans, uh, when, when, the, when the northern kingdom, I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, go with me. When, when the northern kingdom was taken off, there were a couple people that were left. And those people that were left became what are known as the Samaritans. So the northern kingdom was taken off in like 722, I think, B.C., right? For you Bible scholars out there, 722 B.C. And there were some, some, some people that were left, and, and they became the Samaritans. And they began to read the Torah and understand their, their, their scripture in a different way. And so they believed that when Joshua came across the Jordan, he actually ended up in a place called Mount Gerizim. And that's where the tabernacle was planted, at Mount Gerizim. And that's, so that's where the temple should have been. But Eli, you guys remember Eli from Samuel? They believe that Eli stole away the religion and brought it down to, to, to Jerusalem where the temple mount is, right? So they believe that the right place to worship God, the right place to focus on God, the right place is, is to do it in Mount Gerizim. Now, if this isn't a perfect example of what I'm talking about, right? Here's a group of people that, that and, and Jews did the same thing, you know, so I'm not, I'm not isolating them. But here's a group of people that did exactly what we talked about, right? They were on a journey. They, they, were, they, were, they were feeling left out, right? As the Assyrians took the people off, they, they had to build something new. And as they built something new, they started to think, yes, I've got it figured out. 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 And soon the fight between the, 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 the Samaritans and the Jews became about where you pray, now, I will say that for Jews and for, for, for Samaritans, it's a different conversation than what we would understand it. But you see what happens, right? You see what happened to these two groups. And they end up being separated by, by geography and, and psychology. And this, they, Jesus comes into this town, and if, if, if we listen to what has just happened before this, and, and we say, okay, they need to look down, they need to be self-reflective, they need to open themselves up to Jesus. And Jesus comes into this place. And they approach, and, and Jesus is resolutely set for Jerusalem, the temple. And the Samaritans say, whoa, wait a minute. That's not cool. That's not our thing. You can't stay here. You have to go worship there. Don't, don't hang out here. And you know, the self-reflective disciples, like I'm self-reflective now in dancing, said, okay, I can do this. I can look down. I can do this. I got it. All right, Jesus, I know what we got to do, Right? we got to call down fire. Let's call down fire from heaven and wipe them out, and then we'll be okay. Let's, let's wipe out those people who get in our way. All right, they're looking down. Okay, I'm self-reflective, I know. But, but you know, Jesus, I'm focusing on you, and you're really powerful, so why don't you wipe them out? we got to get to Jerusalem. You know, the other thing that when I started to look down and realize how to put my feet when I was dancing, is I realized I couldn't see my feet as well as I used to. <laughs> but I didn't worry about that. I was getting my feet right. And now I'd start to look at other people and be like, huh, you don't look as good as I do dancing. You don't look as good as I do. Look at me. I know what I'm doing now. Now I've got it figured out. All right, Jesus, you corrected me. Cool, I'm good with that. But I got it figured out. And then I looked down again, and I realized I couldn't see my feet. I'm not as fit as I once was. How many of you are fit as you once were? 
You know, we, 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 we realize that we haven't exercised this, this thing very long. We haven't exercised this self-reflection very much. And suddenly, it's way out of shape. And I'm on my journey, and I'm doing my thing. And even if I get little things figured out, now I start to compare myself with others and say how much better I am than them. Oh, at least I'm not as... Those are newbies now, right? We've been coming for five weeks. <laughs> yeah, if you've done dance classes, you know five weeks is not... Oof. You can't buy another right foot in five weeks. You still got two lefts. And I realized that, really, I wasn't, I wasn't really the best in the class. I wasn't as fit as I thought I should be. I sweat profusely when I dance. Everybody else seems just cool and calm and collected. I'm out there sweating like a, like a stuck pig. You see, what we realize very quickly when we start reflecting on ourselves is that our lives is not about saving others. It's not about correcting others. It's not about directing others. It's not about showing off to others. It's not about being something for other people. The danger of self-reflection, when we start to look down, when we start to look at our lives, when we start to look at what's going on and start to really be honest about it, not only uh, do we get out of this mode of, you know, now, now I've opened myself up to others and I have to start to say, oh no, now I have to be graceful. You see, Jesus' response was one of, quite, of, of rebuke. Jesus turned, he rebuked them, and he went to another village. You know, Jesus could have spent a whole bunch of time there trying to tell the Samaritans why they were wrong. He could have spent a whole bunch of time there trying to instruct them in the right way. He could have gone there and done miracles. He could have gone there and wiped them out. He could have done all kinds of things. But you know what's really interesting what Jesus does here? He respects their decision. Let me just step back. Jesus respects their decision. He doesn't preach at them. He doesn't preach to them. He doesn't give them something they don't want. He doesn't try to hand out tracts. He just respects their decision. You know, in a lot of ways, uh, this whole experience of dancing has humbled me because I, I realize that there are people there that I would look at, and just to be honest with you, I would say there is no way that person knows how to dance. Did you ever go to a, a, a marathon? We, we used to run. I've run a couple of half marathons. Sarah runs a couple of half marathons and lots of marathons. She runs a lot more than I do. But did you ever go to a, a, a race or something and you look around and you're like, yeah, that person's not going to make it and that person's not going to make it and that person's not going to make it and that person's not going to make it. That person, no, no way. They must be here to hand out drinks. That person's not going to make it. And then when you get to the finish line, they're all there drinking their drinks and looking back. This is my experience. They're looking back at you with these smug, you know, looks, little jerks, you know. But there's this tendency, isn't there, for us to look around the world and say, now that I got it figured out, you don't. And Jesus has this really cool thing. He doesn't, he doesn't correct people who are wrong. He doesn't, he, in this case, he doesn't jump out on their throats. He doesn't try to make them different. Instead, Jesus just says, okay, let's go somewhere else. And as I was walking, as I was dancing, excuse me, as I'm dancing, and now I'm realizing I got to look down and make sure my feet go at the right place, right? I got to make sure that I'm being reflective and I'm watching where I'm going. And as I'm doing that, I'm recognizing my flaws, my inconspicuous nature, the things that I can't get past. As I'm doing that, I realize that there are others that know a little bit about dancing. 
and we had this wonderful dance instructor. And what I learned in dancing is that I, I can't, I, I don't do a very good job of framing. Do you know what framing is? Does anybody know what framing is? Framing is how you hold your body when you dance. Apparently this is right. I don't know. We're not on that lesson yet. But when you frame yourself in dancing, it, it's, it's important that your, 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 ch your chest be facing the other person. And I realized I have to stand up to do that. I can't, I can't walk like this and dance. It doesn't work. You see, in dancing, it's important to, do, to, to, to stand up. And when I reach for things, I do this. Does anybody do this? Is this how you reach? I was just told this last week, that's not right. I said, what, what do you mean? I've been reaching like this my whole life. How dare you tell me that's not okay? He says, no, you can't reach for your wife that way. What do you mean I can't reach for my wife that way? You have to stay this way. And so when you reach, you have to see if I can even do it. You have to reach, reach like this so that your frame stays in place. You see, what I realize is maybe I don't know everything about dancing yet. you believe that? And there was someone who could help me along the way. As the disciples are going along with Jesus at the scripture after the one we just read, they're walking along the road and a man says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And then he says to another man, follow me. And Jesus goes on this whole thing and the guy says, hey, well, just let me go bury my father. Um, and, and, and as he's doing this, um, Jesus does, has this really interesting moment. He says, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And then this man says, I will follow you, Lord, but let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus says, he who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is not fit for the, is, is not fit for the service in the kingdom of God. So there's these moments when if their eyes are open and you see Jesus engaging with others, you start to learn, experience, understand the challenges of others. Even when others fall down, even when others don't quite get it, even when things are not quite working out, there are lots of things the disciples can be learning from the experiences of others. So often I find myself stuck and not wanting to engage others in their experiences. When I come and do Bible study, which I'm going to do here in like a few minutes, um, when we do this, it's, it's, I, I like to teach and preach. So I like to tell you how it is. But in dancing, I also realized just as I was looking at my feet, I'm looking at my belly, that there are other people who can tell me important things. There are life experiences in the world around us that can guide us in important ways. You see, Jesus has an amazing, amazing way of engaging us in the world that we're in. We, as Christians, far too often like to put on the blinders and believe it's about figuring it out and impressing God. We want to make sure we do all the right things and check all the right boxes and say all the right songs and do all the right things and have all the right colors. and We want to make sure everything is just right. The challenge, the challenge of the Christian life is that we all have to begin with that first dance lesson. We all have to begin looking down and recognizing what God is saying to us. And so this morning, whether you've been a Christian for, for, for but a day or you've been a Christian your whole life, I encourage you as a community, take a moment. Find a space, be reflective, look down, and know 
that God can overcome your fear. Know that while you are not fit, God can get you there. And know that while you don't have it all figured out yet, God will offer those in your life to help you learn along the way. Praise be to God. Amen. So we're going to sing here to end up our time. Number 572, Blessed Assurance.